Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, depending on wherever you are in the world. I am Purple Suede 22 here with my co-host, Styled Pigeon. This is episode one of Gingerly, a show sponsored by Roundly X. Um, we're super excited to be here. Uh, Roundly X is a uh, simple-to-use app that allows you to purchase Bitcoin and other digital assets with spare change automatically. Um, it's a set-it-and-forget-it DCA tool uh, that helps you build wealth safely and conveniently over time. Super thankful for them helping us get this show started. Um, helped me pay off my Subaru uh, in a time of financial stress. Uh, so check them out. They're like the acorns of cryptocurrency. Um, and we are here on Bitcoin Live uh, by uh, the Bitcoin Live team and Jay Dal Mulder. Uh, super thankful to be here. Style Pigeon, how's it going, man? It's going great. Um, I feel like I look a little bit like an announcer now in hindsight, but you know, I had to <laughs> style for the first episode at least before we go it's casual. Time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, uh, fly. Fly. I'm it. no Bruce Buffer though, for sure. Speaking with the brand, extremely styled pigeon. That's right. Um, so I guess since this is episode one, I kind of forgot to give a little background about like both of us. So I'll just give a quick little, you know, summary of where we're at, and then you can give a little spiel about how you got into you know, style yep. pigeon brand and we'll go from there. That so works great. Um, I'm purple suede 22 on Twitter. I've uh, been into crypto and Bitcoin for quite a while since like 2014, 15. Um, I'm running the marketing for Roundly X uh, as one of my primary gigs. Uh, you can find me on crypto Twitter. I'm really, I'm, I call myself a Bitcoin most minimalist because my goal is to stack Bitcoin as much as I can, but I'm okay with using other methods to get there, uh, not just Bitcoin. So, um, on the show, we're going to be chatting about our experience, about learning new things. Um, so I'm really excited to get things kicked off. Um, Mr. Styled, how, how what about you? Yeah, I'm actually really excited about this. Um, I, I, well, okay, so the way that I got into all of this is actually I like to hear myself talk. Uh, that's the big thing. Um, I really enjoy thinking at a uh, 30,000 foot level. That's why I'm interested in Bitcoin and the technology around cryptocurrencies and actually implementing that. One of the biggest things that I think comes into play as a factor for that implementation is actually just adoption, outright adoption. How do I explain this to my grandmother? How do I teach my dad how to uh, you know, move around inside of wallets? How do I show my friends what the actual advantage is to this technology in a way that's nicely packaged. And and that's what I kind of, kind of consider my job is to ask those questions that none of the experienced users are asking anymore because there's still a lot of new people. And the thing that showed me that was actually being part of dance communities. Um, I, I'm a dancer. I have been since I was in middle school um, and I probably will be until my knees can't handle it anymore. But when you're in a dance community, one of the things you find is really, really experienced people. Those really experienced people want to show up and have a good time dancing. They don't necessarily want to teach other people the basics of how to dance. So what you see is you see that crew get really, really good. And then a bunch of new people come in. The people who are experienced start going, ah, I can't stand all these new people. They're ruining my experience. And so they leave. And then you have a dance community that nobody knows how to dance. Uh, and you have to kind of like build up from there again. But we want to teach you guys how to dance uh, at the level that you're at, uh, especially if you're new. I'm still new. I'm not some brilliant crypto wizard or anything like that. Uh, anything that I say is not going to be advice. <laughs> um, so <laughs> I'm figuring of all of this that. out as well. Not so financial advice. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Also, full disclaimer. Um, yeah. But definitely not from me. I, I'm here to learn. I'm here to think and uh, kind of discover things as we go. 
And that's honestly been a cool part of our developing relationship in this particular topic has been uh, me realizing how much of a curse of knowledge I have and having to figure out how to change my language and think more of like, you know, when I was getting started. Um, and so you're really helpful in asking questions and, you know, helping me think about like, oh, okay, we need to be talking about these things and we need to be encouraging people to think about it this way. Um, so, so yeah, that's what we're going to be doing on Gingerly. Uh, we're going to be talking about basics, yes, but we're also going to be hopefully asking questions that uh, maybe you haven't thought of as a listener and, um, you know, help you have better privacy, better security. Uh, think about your investment strategy in a way that's appropriate for your own financial risk. Um, I always say that's important. So, um, yeah, with that, I think uh, we should dive in. This week, I really wanted to focus on uh, privacy in particular. Um, do you want to say something real quick before we go? Yeah, actually, I was going to say I saw some of the stuff that you pulled up, and I'm actually really interested in this. Uh, the reason I'm really interested, uh, aside from just knowing what's going on, is actually I had a friend who was telling me about everything that's going on with this, but he's not a crypto wizard either, right? So he he's one of the people that I have in my life that constantly use terms that he doesn't know what they mean. Yeah. Um, which no offense to him, he's still learning too. Uh, but when he starts talking to you about it, you, you kind of get lost in the sauce a little bit and can't figure out where you're at. So I'm interested to hear some of your take. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's a dangerous level to be at. I feel like at this point, everyone's yeah. heard about Bitcoin and crypto, you know, and it makes you feel comfortable. And then you're like, oh, well, I'll just do, you know, X, Y, and Z. Um, yeah. and then or, that's well, how you I watched money. this YouTube video. <laughs> yeah, totally. And now I'm good to go. Um, so yeah, again, that's another part of what I want this show to end up being. It's like, you know, I've made a lot of expensive mistakes. I like to call them expensive lessons, getting after the Tim Ferriss, uh, you know, paying for a master's degree by teaching yourself something like a different skill. That's not actually a master's degree. Um, they're only expensive lessons if you stay around and don't leave afterwards. And so I'm still here and I want other people to learn from my expensive lessons so that they don't have to do those. Um, we appreciate you making that sacrifice. Yeah, and you too, man. <laughs> you're you're here. You've made some extensive lessons on your own, you know. So you've got. Oh, that's true. And, that's true. Yeah, so that's the goal. So with that, I mean, let's dive in. Um, so uh, shout out to my awesome producer, Nick. Nick, if you wouldn't mind flashing that first um, Tornado Cash article up there. Um, so we're going to be talking about privacy today. Yeah. So um, a lot of people may not know that there are mixing services out there, um, which essentially takes your cryptocurrency. Uh, mixes them through a particular service so that the uh, the crypto itself is more anonymous, right? I'm not going to say it's perfectly anonymous, um, but, you know, privacy is something that a lot of people can't achieve these days due to the nature of the internet. Um, but one of these services was called Tornado Cash, and it was made specifically for Ethereum products. And this past week, uh, it made news by being sanctioned and taken off the internet within a span of a couple hours. Um, so I'm, I'm concerned about this because first of all, usually when we get into, you know, having the government sanction a particular function or a particular service, there's a little bit of warning, you know, like they'll pop up and they'll be like, Hey, we're investigating this, you know, and we might have to take it down kind of thing. But this time there was zero warning. They just came up and they were like, Hey, us department of the treasury, we're banning this particular service. Um, it's going away. And that doesn't happen very often in things that I'm personally involved with. I haven't used Tornado Cash myself. And if I did, I don't know that I would say it publicly. But um, at this point, because of the things that have happened since then. So I think I can just give a quick highlight of like the timeline of how things went down and we can break it down after that. Um, so 
Nick, let's see. I'm not sure what the next tweet is. I think it's the Joseph one. So um, what's really funny about this is that due to the nature of crypto transactions, um, currently people can't opt to receive transactions. So if Mr. Styled Pigeon were to send me a transaction of 0.1 Ethereum from his wallet, I, as the end receiver, don't have any option to say, okay, yes, I want to receive this transaction or no, I don't want to receive this transaction. Very much like uh, telegrams back in the day. The receiver just had to pay for it, you know, if they wanted to know what it was and accept it. Um, but this leads to problems. So Circle, which is a massive exchange um, liquidity provider in the system, they they froze $75,000 worth of USDC funds that they suspect were mixed through Tornado Cash. And that's the crazy thing, in my opinion, is that there's not a good way to be able to say this wallet was for sure participating in illicit activity. You can only guess. Um, and this is the type of censorship that showed up within hours of the United States Treasury Department announcing that they're banning tornado cash. Well, actually, let me let me correct some terminology there because you yeah. say you say censorship. But what this actually is, is illegal search and seizure. Oh, 100 percent. No, you're at right. least in the U.S., the Fourth Amendment protects us from illegal search and seizure. Um, the government can't come after your stuff or the government can't come into your house or anything unless they have reasonable suspicion from what I my basic understanding of the law. Um, so and that's what concerns me mostly is censorship is one thing and we kind of censor ourselves. And I mean, let's say you're laundering money. Nobody needs to censor you because you're laundering money, right? You're not going to tell yeah. anybody that you're laundering sure. money. Um, so it, the free speech thing is not really coming into play. What this is, is it's search and seizure. Right. Um, they decided that we think maybe some illicit activity is going on here. We can't prove any of that because this technology is so confusing. And now we're going to just steal money from you. Uh, don't yeah. care if you're a citizen, don't care who you are, doesn't matter about your rights. We're going to take this money now. This money's ours now. Yeah. And that gets really problematic when we get into that fact that I talked about that a lot of chains or no chains that I'm aware of allow you to accept transactions. So another tweet that I found was um, a bunch of celebrities uh, got essentially hit by someone who was mixing through Tornado Cash in quantity. So somebody was like, well, now I'm screwed because Tornado Cash funds were frozen. Um, and as you can see on the screen here, that user just started sending out small amounts of Ethereum to as many big people as they could possibly think about, which I think was a brilliant idea, you know, because it immediately yeah. shows the weakness of the United States strategy and just outright banning a privacy solution, because then all of these wallets are affected. So, I mean, how are you going to be able to go through an audit and know whether or not that particular wallet was participating in illicit activity or not? Because, you know, it got tainted by this one transaction. But who's to say that other transactions weren't illicit? You know, there's no real right. way to prove that. Um, yeah. And they're, they're doing a great job highlighting the crux of the issue. Right. Like, yeah, they're they're exposing the lack of actual investigation that took place and the lack of practicality behind those investigations you can't just come in and sweepingly say ah we're going to shut down this service which i mean they can but they can and they, they shouldn't yeah. yeah yeah and like what's crazy is that list of celebrities like you know people like jimmy fallon and Shaq, and you know various <laughs> people like that but then down to like crypto celebrities so the ceo of coinbase had all of his personal wallets that were known about like flooded with tornado cash transactions Right. Um, right. So, yeah, I mean, it's a huge problem.
Um, and I, I kind of want to back up though and think like a lot of people think when you say privacy or mixing services, everyone's minds always turns to money laundering. Um, and my perspective is the government doesn't have a right to know what money you have and how you use it, barring just straight up taxes and being legal. Like we could debate taxes and all that stuff. But in my personal opinion, and like we see this in the government right now, like especially like people like Nancy Pelosi leading the charge to try and have reporting done on like bank accounts that have $600 or more. You have to like, she want, there's this bill that's going through where if you have $600 or more in your bank account that the government has access to be able to see where all those transactions came from. Um, and that's spilling over to, you know, privacy, like with crypto and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I know you've experienced this style when you walk into a convenience store and the guy asked you like, Oh, how much Bitcoin do you have? Right. Like, oh, yeah. That's, that's just a basic question. Like, in my opinion, do you walk up to random people on the street and you're going to be like, hey, like, show me your bank account, how much money you have? You know, most people would be like, you know yeah. what? You can jump off a train. Like, I don't I'm not going to show you <laughs> that stuff. Like, go away. But yeah. for some reason, people think that because it's crypto or it's a different asset, it's OK to just know everything about your finances. Right. And so, yeah. Yeah. And it's it's a it's an odd class because poor guy, he wasn't trying to be rude or anything at sure. all right Most like i was the one who i made some silly comment about crypto or bitcoin or something and he the only question he knew to ask to engage with that conversation was oh how much bitcoin do you have <laughs> um and i think i said like not nearly enough or something like that. you know i just kind of sidestepped the whole question but um it, this is one of those things where people are still kind of perceiving this as like play money, right? Mm -hmm. um, oh, this is money, but it's not real money. <clears throat> and it's totally different than that. That just comes from the whole explanation about what the technology actually is, what it actually does for people, for uh, larger institutions, for society at large. They just don't understand that at all, uh, which, you know, well, hopefully we'll be able to help a little bit with that on the show. <laughs> Yeah, I hope so. No, I do. Um, because like these concepts are things that people should be thinking about, because as the government starts pulling these threads, they start affecting us more and more. Um, I've got a tweet up here, Nick, uh, towards the end. Um, and it's kind of the end of the Tornado Cash story. So this past week, we went from people using Tornado Cash uh, as a valid service to it being suddenly taken offline. And now Dutch police arrested the suspected Tornado Cash developer. This is very similar to like a Ross Ulbricht situation where somebody created open source code, uploaded it to GitHub. So everyone knew that it was there. Lots of people used the service and that particular user wasn't even condemned having used the service. They just created it. Right. Yeah. And they were arrested yeah. and they're probably going to get a sizable prison sentence. Like Ross Ulbricht got two life sentences for creating the Silk Road website back in the day. I wouldn't be surprised to see this person get close to 20 years in prison just for writing code and that brings up a really important thing that a lot of people in crypto are talking about these days and that is like we believe that code is speech code should be protected mm -hmm. under the you know free speech part of the constitution and it's a difficult conversation to have but how do we protect developers like the guy that created tornado cash from being put in prison for something that he didn't illegally participate in that we know of you know he just created the service yeah and it's Here's the thing is what what is the government's job? What what did we why did we originally hire the government? I mean, to help us like expedite 
well-being more or less like to put it right, super simply. right. <laughs> it, 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 the government's job is to ensure at least and again this is i'm from the u.s this is the way that i think about government i know that other governments work differently i understand that and their legal systems are very different than ours but the western world uh, at large is kind of something special where there's this big experiment that we're running about how do you give people freedom from the people who actually hold that power in that society uh, how do you keep a government from turning tyrannical or turning corrupt? Well, part of it is I need to be able to move my finances and my assets around. You know, if, if I had a house and I sold that house and bought another one, you know, the government gets notified about that. I'm okay with that because they have to keep track of that for taxes and everything so that we can support the government so that they have enough money to defend us if we have a hostile nation or something like that start attacking us, right? But sure. When it comes to, uh, you know, there's no real reason to do that. The government should be worried about whatever the crime is, not what happened with the money after that. They've been using tracking down finances as a major crutch to not actually go after what the criminals are doing. Uh, and that's yeah. just it's it's slack law enforcement is what it ultimately is, is they go, well, we can't figure out where they're moving the drugs or whatever illicit activity it is. And don't get me wrong. I think that the government should totally enforce, you know, any legislation and everything that uh, is passed by our representative legislation. Sure. They have every right to do that. That's what I pay them for. Um, mm -hmm. So we don't have murderers and people running around in the streets. I'm pro no murderers. Okay. Yeah. But, me too. <laughs> <laughs> just to clarify. Yeah. <laughs> but when it comes, when it comes to, you know, me being able to, I mean, what if it was something simple? It's, it's an asset. Maybe I have a donut machine, right? And I, I make all of my living off of this donut machine. I post up on the street corner. I sell donuts. Well, if, if the government can just walk up and go, Hey, this donut machine's ours now. And you go, well, why? And well, we think you've been putting stuff in the donuts. Well, what, yeah. what stuff do you think I've been putting? Like, there's no after conversation about that. Yeah. Like, no, you've not. got no evidence that I put anything in the in the donuts. The donuts taste delicious. Why are you messing with my donut yeah. cart? Right. And I feel the I exact mean, same way about this. This is yeah. and what's crazy about it. And correct me here if I'm wrong. This only adds a small layer of security or privacy for us. Yes. It is yeah. actually trackable. Yeah. No, I mean, I mean yeah, if, for sure. If you do the math, it's trackable. Complete. Yeah, absolutely. Right. They, so, they make your transactions more anonymous. That's about right. It. It's not completely anonymous. Yeah. Yeah. So it's the government so, being lazy. <laughs> and I mean, and also another infringement that I, you know, that some people have mentioned to me is the fact that like these guys aren't elected officials, you know, to your point. Right. And then they're, they're just right. deciding that something is illegal like yesterday or, right. like last week. And then they show up at that guy's house and are like, hey, by the way, we made this illegal last week. You're arrested. Like what? How is that? How is that allowed? You know? Yes. So, and and that is that is um, oh, man, this high horse is going to be hard to climb down from. Yes. Um, that is actually the issue that I'm seeing that is leading to ultimately what I think will be the unfortunate decay of Western values and philosophy. We, actually, this is why I started making photos of pigeons, right? Is <laughs> is I, th I think it's really important for us to have value systems in place that protect us from these things. Uh, yeah. One of my values is truth. Uh, I hold truth above all else. Uh, I, I do everything that I can not to ever lie. Mm -hmm. um, at, at the very least, I 
don't say anything if I don't know what the truth is. And what they're doing is they're actually moving the bar on what the truth is that they told us. Yeah. Right. Oh, so yeah. we, we told you that if you pay taxes, we will protect you from invaders. We will provide infrastructure to make your life better. And we'll do maybe a couple other things, but they're all really high level major things. Uh, now people are saying that the government's more responsible for a lot of social programs and things, which I don't have anything against, you know, it's, it's Pareto distribution needs to be fought against, right? We need to keep people from getting dumped out of the bottom of our society. Totally right. for it. But when you start saying, well, we're going to, we're going to take care of you as if a parent where if you say, no, I don't want to do this, we're going to say, well, you have to anyway. Right. And it's something completely unrelated to any of your responsibilities as the government. Then, then we get into some real, real sketchy territory. Uh, like hiring 87,000 IRS agents who can use deadly force, for instance. Right, right. They can use deadly force. They're not part of an elected body. Uh, and in the U.S., I actually have a real problem with all of the federal agencies because they're, they have federal power with no, no electability, or, no yeah, representation involved. Yeah. It's, it's the reason that the U.S. revolted against the British Empire yeah. back in the day. Yes, yes, that is. Same it, thing. We're back to 1776. Okay, so that being said, okay, I'm climbing down we... off the high horse. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so all that being said, so I, if you're watching Gingerly for the first time, you know that was obviously a lot. But like, these are things that you need to be thinking about. These things are just freedoms that are snatched away from you in the you know dead of night or in the broad of daylight, and people just move on and they don't care. And um, you should care because they're hiring eighty-seven thousand IRS agents, and you better be sure they're not using all those people to go after billionaires. There's only seven hundred and sixty-something billionaires in the United States. You literally think they need 87,000 IRS agents to audit those people. Absolutely not. They're after you. So on Gingerly, we want to be able to talk about these big things. And then we want to offer some basic solutions that you can take regardless of what stage along your journey uh, in Bitcoin and crypto you are. Um, so, yeah, I want to dive into that. Um, I know Mr. Styled Pigeon is, uh, you know, working on securing his own assets. And so we're going to kind of do some back and forth, like talking about the very practical things you can take to um, have better privacy and better security for your own assets. Um, so yeah, uh, moving on from the news, um, you know, basic privacy se security steps that you can take. Um, thanks, Nick, for that. Yes, I'm not just claiming that there's 80,000 IRS agents that are about to be hired. There's an <laughs> article backing it up. That's so great. This is why I'm thankful to be a Bitcoin live show because we have great producers. Uh, Nick and Jan do a great job. Um, and you should check out all the other Bitcoin live shows, a uh, little plug there. Um, but so, okay, yeah, how can you, how can you have better privacy? Um, my first big thing is that you need to work on holding your own private keys. Um, and that doesn't even mean that you have to have a hardware wallet. So a lot of people, we've talked about this on previous Twitter spaces that we've done together before this was a Bitcoin live show. Um, you can go back and listen to those, particularly we dive into private keys and hardware wallets and all that good stuff. Where do they um, have to go to do that? So you can go to Roundly X's Twitter. Thank you for that. Um, yep. You can go to our spaces section and listen to the recordings there. Um, and if you can't find them, feel free to just tweet at me uh, at Roundly X or at Purple Suede, and I'll find those recordings for you, no problem. Um, so what I wanted to do is kind of like private keys is going to be the focus of our conversation, but I wanted to hit a couple other things that you could start researching if you're concerned about your own privacy. Uh, people have been concerned about their money privacy for years. Like why do people stash 
cash in mattresses, you know, like that's, that's just a basic thing that I feel like we've had parents or grandparents do um, over the years where it may like you hear of people doing that and you're like, oh yeah, that makes sense. You know, you want to have savings for a rainy day. You don't want people to know it's there, but why is it that when it comes to cryptocurrency and privacy, we start bucking? Um, so a couple things, I just made a quick list. First of all, anytime you're doing any kind of, honestly, everyone should be using a VPN all the time. I admit that I'm lazy about it and don't always use it. But when it comes to crypto, you need to be using a VPN uh, because essentially it just scrambles the signal that goes back to your IP address that ties you to crypto stuff that you're doing on the internet. Um, there's some really nice ones out there. There are some also really like affordable ones. So do your research, you know, you can find something with like NordVPN or ProtonMail VPN, both are really good options. Um, Another like thing that you need to be thinking about is, um, you know, you can mix quote unquote your cryptocurrency through centralized exchanges. Um, those are abbreviated CEX. So if I slip up and say mix through your sex, that's what I mean. <laughs> um, but so we're mi mixing our cryptos through centralized <laughs> other exchanges. Than that. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> please, like it's very basic. Essentially, though, like this helps your privacy. And like like you said, Mr. Pigeon earlier. Um, we're, we're helping our anonymity. We're helping our privacy. Nothing that I'm going to talk about is going to be 100% foolproof. You are 100% anonymous, right? We always want to say, well, maybe there's a possibility that this isn't perfect. Um, now, let me ask a question here, because you can't, you can't be 100% anonymous, but you could ideally be roughly like 99.9% uh, secure. Oh, yeah. Right? Security, for okay. sure. We can talk about that. Like, yeah, I'm much more confident in com like having 99.9% .9 security versus privacy because privacy is one of those things that's always evolving where it's like, you know, you don't know what has access to what and like there's so many endpoints. Um, but so, for instance, mixing through a centralized exchange, when you put crypto into a centralized exchange like Coinbase or like Qcoin or like Binance, they go to their centralized wallets and those guys mix their funds that they don't mix them. They have to move them around like crazy to serve all of their customers needs. I mean, this shouldn't come as a surprise to you, but if you're depositing your cryptocurrency into an exchange like Coinbase, um, they're doing stuff with your crypto, you know, they're loaning it out or they're like paying other people with it, or they're paying other people's dividends. It's not, you don't control that crypto. And that's why we want you to use your private keys down the road. Um, but, if you're smart with it, you realize that, okay, my crypto, when I deposit it, gets moved around into all these different wallets and has a mixing effect that makes it much more difficult to track with blockchain analysis, right? There's just more threads to pull. There's more work to be done. Um, and that's generally the goal of what we call mixing is just to push your crypto through as many different wallets as possible to make the blockchain auditing more difficult. Um, so going through a centralized exchange is one way that you can do that. And honestly, just depositing it waiting for a couple weeks and then taking it back out is a decent way to do it. or just shuffling it through different pairs right you could deposit bitcoin you could cash that into us dollars then you could buy some ethereum then you could buy some you know shiba inu or whatever and then you could go back to bitcoin and withdraw that to a different wallet and it has a mixing effect um so yeah that's one way to do it um another thing that i like to tell people is whenever you're withdrawing your money from a centralized exchange, so say you want to pull your funds off of Coinbase, um, don't withdraw it directly to the end source. So have a dummy wallet first, right, that you withdraw it to and and try and like move it around and like use a VPN when you withdraw so that your IP address is tied to one wallet, but maybe not necessarily your endpoint wallet. 
Um, so you just want to put in like, I guess, layers of difficulty. Um, if you want to actually, this is a great exercise. The moment that I found out that there are block explorers on the internet, where you can just like look up somebody's wallet and just see what they're doing and like where they're sending funds. Uh, it's a scary and also enlightening experience. So I would highly recommend this. If you have Bitcoin, if you have Ethereum, um, even if you're on Twitter and you see someone's name, like I, I'm going to tell you, you can do this to me because it's not amazing operational security or OPSEC. But on Twitter, my display name is donjohnblaze.btc. That's actually a Stacks address. So if you pull up a Stacks block explorer and you plug in my name, um, assuming it tracks the name, which it should, you know, it should, um, you'll be able to see the wallet activity from that one particular wallet that I have my BNS name registered at. So it's just a fancy address. So you can see where I move stuff. You can see where I've sent stuff. And so this is why we put in layers of difficulty because blockchain is transparent. It's made so that people can pull up a quick audit and say, okay, John bought this NFT, then it moved here, then he did this, you know? And so when I, when people say, oh, don't use crypto or blockchain because people money launder with it, I'm like, well, I mean, yeah, if you want to like have everyone in the world be able to see what you're doing, then yeah, use blockchain. That makes total yeah. sense. Also people money launder with us dollars too. Exactly. Um, and study, uh, I should have found a resource for this, but um, Coin Center, a uh, nonprofit out of DC that does a lot of blockchain analytics, they've done a report nearly every year on illicit activity on the major blockchains. And um, data shows that less than 1% of all Bitcoin in circulation is used for illicit activity. And I guarantee you that there's more than 1% of the total supply of US dollar that's used for money laundering. It's just got to be. Yeah. And you can't snort cocaine through Bitcoin. Just as a side note, <laughs> there's so much cocaine on like the physical dollar bills and all of that crap. So again, like <laughs> don't money launder through blockchain because you're going to get, there you go. My incredible producer already found the, the ah, and thank you, Nick. That's amazing. So yeah, coincenter.org. Nothing but skill. That's right. Coincenter.org. You can go read that report. Fascinating stuff. Um, so yeah, I kind of got derailed a little bit there. Um, but oh, that's last... okay. We're talking about moving through multiple wallets when you're withdrawing from a centralized exchange. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Um, and again, like when you're clicking through a block explorer, it's important to remember that you taking the effort to move from one wallet to another literally corresponds to a person being like, okay, I'm going to click this next transaction and see where that went. Right. So you need to think all this effort that I'm doing is literally just adding one more click in for a person that's trying to audit my blockchain information. Um, so you got to be creative about how you know, how many times you move it and where you move it. And if you move it cross chain and, you know, if you're using a VPN and the effect that that has on your wallet. So a lot of it requires personal research. Um, but so that being said, I want to definitely give everyone listening a starting point because we're kind of getting close on time here of how you can just start to take your own steps um, down this road of privacy. Uh, so what that looks like is Next. just moving your cryptocurrency off of a off of your exchanges to a wallet where you hold private keys. And I want to be clear, you don't have to have a hardware wallet for it to be a cold storage wallet. Okay, a lot of people kind of get that confused. A hardware wallet is essentially just fancy technology that's a encrypted USB drive. This is great. Thanks, Nick. So one of my favorite hardware wallets that I use is the Ledger. It's been around for a long time. It holds a wide variety of cryptocurrency. You can store NFTs on it. Um, but essentially all it is, is a really fancy USB stick that's encrypted. Um, they have their own backup seed, right, for the ledger. That's very similar to a, 
normal private wallet. Um, but so if you're holding something like Bitcoin, there's lots of wallets out there. You can have Blue Wallet, you could have Samurai Wallet, you could do Electrum. Um, there's a variety of different wallets that all they are is a storage service. Whenever you create this wallet, it says, here's your 12 to 24 words. <clears throat> and those are the key to your safe. Those 12 to 24 words are all that matter about your Bitcoin. And so thinking about how you want to store those words is essentially like how you're storing your Bitcoin. So basically moving from a centralized exchange, you're taking the responsibility and ownership of your assets away from the crypto bank, right? You're withdrawing the equivalent of cash, physical money that you hold, and you are storing it in a particular place. And just like with cash, if your house burns down, cash can is flammable, you know, wherever you store your private seed is also flammable in one sense. So you got to think, do I store it on an encrypted USB stick? Do I write my private seed out on a piece of paper and give it to friends and family members? You got de to determine how much you trust people. Um, if you're going to write it out on a piece of paper, you definitely need to have it in multiple different locations, right? Because if your house does burn down or if someone breaks in and they steal that private seed, it's gone. Um, a way that I have heard of getting around that particular hurdle is writing out, say, if you have a 12 word seed, you write out 11 of those words and you give them to one family member. And then you write out 11 of those words, but you change the ones that are missing and give it to another family member. That way you don't necessarily have to trust that particular person withholding your crypto because they're missing a word, but you do have to have both of those pieces of paper to be able to restore your private seat again in the end. Um, I want to pause real quick because you always ask good questions and I ramble a lot. So are we making sense? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, th I think you're making sense. Um, um, I guess the big question question for me is uh, up front. So I get why, you would want to have ownership of your own assets. The question is, why do you not want to allow someone like Coinbase to hold those assets for you? Because let's say, uh, you know, I, I use hard assets as a as an analogy. I bought a rental house, and I let my, you know, I pay uh, a fee for uh, a property manager to essentially maintain and take care of that house. Sure that may work really well for me but i don't have to like give up ownership there at all like the right. deed is still in my name um sure. so nobody can really argue with the fact that that's my house not the property manager's house sure so i don't imagine with bitcoin you could say well this is coinbase's bitcoin now not yours what's the advantage to taking that responsibility on yourself yeah, that's a great question. Um, so the, you know, the tweet that I showed at the beginning of uh, Circle, Circle is an exchange, right? They're, they're a centralized mm -hmm. service. They decided that because they suspect that these certain users were affected or used Tornado Cash, that they're taking their money, period. And they can do that because they hold the currency. And so that, and then there's another problem of these are companies, right? And companies have to make money to stay viable. And if they don't make money, they go bankrupt. And we saw this, we saw this recently with a wave of bankruptcies between like Voyager, Celsius, um, BlockFi had some major problems. Um, and it was because they were essentially doing fractional reserve like traditional banks do um, and lending out the money. And then those loans couldn't be repaid. And so people straight up just lost their money. 
so the so I want to I want to point out the uh, change in dynamics here because and this is something that's really crucial to me about Bitcoin, Bitcoin specifically even um, is this is not just a new type of money or a new uh, regular currency. Uh, people have been able to trade on the foreign exchanges for forever, right? Like sure. since we had yeah. fiat money, uh, I say forever, <laughs> it's been like a hundred years maybe. But uh, so what's different here is that this is actually a technology that changes our actual relationship between our money and ourselves, obviously. And then also our relationship between our money and our uh, supervising bodies like governments. Yeah. Um, it completely even. changes that dynamic altogether. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I'm really, really not excited about is what happened when the Industrial Revolution happened. When the Industrial Revolution happened, we had all of these amazing technologies. The, the whole idea of specialization in your employment uh, wasn't a thing until the Industrial Revolution. Completely changed the dynamic between employers and employees. And there were a bunch of things that happened right after that that were hugely negative. I mean, one, you've got, say, the Great Depression, right? Or that's what we call it in the U.S. Um, but you also have these relationships between employers and employees changing drastically because now the employees, suddenly there's a whole bunch of them. And, you know, maybe you're really, really good at putting this one screw in this one screw hole, but that's the only thing you can do. So right. if I'm your employer, I say, well, we pay this much for being able to put that screw in that screw hole and that's it. And yeah. same thing with education. We set up education after the Industrial Revolution to cater to people who would be working in an industrial workforce. Now we're moving past the industrial workforce, but our education system hasn't changed. So we're still right. we're still experiencing growing pains from the Industrial Revolution. And yeah. I'm, that's one of the reasons I'm looking at pulling all of my ass, digital assets off of exchanges and everything is because I don't want, say, and God forbid, but Coinbase becomes corrupt underneath a futuristic, apocalyptic U.S. government or whatever, right? It yeah. becomes tyrannical. Yeah. Then they take over Coinbase and say, we're going to do all this with your digital assets. I don't mm -hmm. want that to happen to me. I want to be protected from that. And because I'm super heady, I'll go ahead and mention that this is also actually the story of the Ark, right? Noah, Noah's Ark. Um, yeah. That's God told Noah to build an Ark. Well, I'm trying to build my Ark in the form of holding my own private keys. That's a great. That's a great way of looking at it. I mean, I feel like nobody watching this show can deny that the world's in a little bit worse of a place than it was five years ago, and that you know freedoms that we had five years ago we took for granted. Now we're like questioning whether or not we're going to have those. So the argument I'll, I'll contradict you there, one. actually. Um, I apologize, but I am going to contradict no, you there is uh, I want to be careful about saying that the world is in a worse place because I think the world is actually in a better place. We're just seeing the starts of uh, potentially tyrannical governments in the Western world. Uh, and that is something that other parts of the world have been fighting against for for a long time uh, centuries right like yeah, yeah. for forever it's just we we had this really really good idea and things got really good really fast and now we're seeing some of that governmental corruption start to try and take hold again which is why we're doing this so publicly is we yep. want to counteract that at the very least in the financial sector yeah so I the mean, world's yeah, doing great point. it's just we need to watch our governments <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And to your point, education hasn't evolved yet to be able to prepare people for having to deal with situations like this. So 
That's why Gingerly exists, because we want people out there to know you have a chance to be sovereign over your own finances and more. Like like we've said, we can talk about this on a later episode, but Bitcoin leads to wanting to improve your health and wanting to improve your relationship and your mind and all that good stuff. So, um, but yeah, Generally just to kind more of styled. It, exactly. Extremely <laughs> styled. <laughs> so to put a nice bow on all of this, uh, we're running really close to time now. Um, but basically what I would recommend as a first step, do a little bit of research and figure out which particular wallet you want to try um, to start securing your own financial sovereignty, right? So that could be you do a little bit of research and like, oh, I really like Blue Wallet because they're open source. They have a great app. You know, I can I can connect them to my Bitcoin node down the road, which we can talk about. Um, but so write out those write out those words. Do some research on encrypting your own USB drive. Think about you know who would I trust with a piece of paper that has my life savings in it, um, and then move a small amount, like whatever that small amount is. I, I used to test with ten dollars, right? And I'd be like, all right, I'm going to put ten dollars onto this this cold storage wallet. I have the seed. I'm going to like delete the app off of my phone after I do it. And then I'm going to practice restoring that at the, my wallet using those private seeds to just show myself that I can't lose that $10. Like I need to practice so that, because if you lose your private keys, your money's gone. It's like I said, with cash, if you sold your mattress right to somebody and you left all of that cash in there, that cash is gone. You know, there's no one to say that anyone took it. And that's the same way with Bitcoin. Uh, guilty. <laughs> yeah, I've done it too. Pretty, pretty sure I made that mistake when Bitcoin was about uh, like five, six bucks a pop. <laughs> Oof! Yeah, yikes. Those are. I mean, there's that guy searching a landfill right now for several million dollars worth of Bitcoin. Oh, the man. same thing. So don't be like that guy. Just practice. <laughs> um, pick a wallet that you like. Put a little bit of money onto it, and then, like I said, delete it off of your computer. Uh, th thanks, Nick. This is great. I need to go through my hardware wallet. So after you move through your, you know, your basic app, getting used to private keys, then go ahead and look at a hardware wallet afterwards, right? Once you get comfortable, um, Ledger that we showed to start off with is a great option. Shapeshift, uh, the one that's on the screen now is another really good option. Both of these store multiple currencies. So you can do Bitcoin, you can do Ethereum, you can do Dogecoin, you know, whatever it is. Um, and if you're a Bitcoin only person or you want to focus only on Bitcoin, um, cold card is another really solid option. Thanks, Nick. That's dope. Um, they have, it's one of the like ironclad cold wallets out there. People literally like shower with it to test it, to make sure that it's okay. And like throw it off of cliffs and stuff. I've seen some crazy test videos of this thing. Um, that's like the Cadillac of hardware wallet. And I think the end goal, but no one says you have to start there. It's just good to know there's progressions to this thing. You know, we're all learning. And you got to take small steps. It's not like you can just decide one day, oh, I know about Bitcoin. Now I'm self-sovereign, you know? <laughs> so that's yeah. what we want to do here. That's that's the type of uh, ethos we want to encourage. Um, Gingerly is all about that. That's part of the reason why the show grew out of Roundly X. Roundly X is all about dollar cost averaging, making getting into crypto as easy as just swiping your credit card and rounding up that uh, purchase to the next dollar. Um, small steps, you know? Uh, we want to approach this gingerly, right? <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's the goal here. Um, so that's that's what the show is going to be. We're going to encourage you guys uh, to do research, to learn. Um, we're going to have guests on. I'm really excited about a couple of guests that we can bring on to share their expertise with us. Um, and I want to say a huge thanks, thanks to the Bitcoin Live guys. Um, this is amazing. This is a lot of work that me and Style Pigeon don't have to do producing this show. Um, so we're extremely thankful. Um, any last words from you, Style Pigeon, before we log off for the day? 
You know, I'm good. I'm, this week, I'm going to look into uh, getting actually a good VPN set up. Um, I actually just got a brand new PC, so I need to go ahead and oh, get okay. some of that stuff back on uh, my yeah. hardware uh, just because I've let it go since back in the day. Uh, and then also, I'll uh, go ahead and look into uh, figuring out the uh, cold storage, not hardware, but cold storage. Um, yeah. and you'll send me links for that. Uh, maybe we can do a little bit of a follow-up and I yeah. can talk about any hardships or anything confusing that happened while I did all of that. Yeah, uh, that'd be great. Week. Yeah, for sure. Um, so this is going to be bi-weekly, uh, to start Week off with. Next. Yeah. Um, uh, we might move to weekly depending on how busy Nick's schedule is. We'll see, uh, <laughs> down the road. Um, but yeah, maybe we could do a Twitter thread even, and just kind of like leave a couple resources uh, for people to follow up on. Cause I know we mentioned a lot today. Um, yeah, and go ahead. Also, if anybody does have any questions or anything about what we discussed today, or if they want to engage with it, if they want to actually, you know, maybe put their two cents in on something that I said that seemed off my rocker or something like that, they can hit both of us up on Twitter. We're more than happy to, to discuss um, and have conversations. Obviously, you know, try not to be rude or anything. We appreciate some certain level of style uh, and class in the way that we handle things. But, you know, don't embarrass yourself. Uh, but you can hit me up at, at styled pigeon and, uh, John, what's your, uh, Twitter handle? I can never remember. Yeah. I'm at purple sway 22. Both of the handles are down in the uh, banner below us. Uh, you can hit those there. And I actually already saw on Twitter styled, you have a couple questions about what your favorite style of dancing is. So you'll have to get on those once we log off of the call. Oh. Um, <laughs> okay, yeah, perfect, major perfect. thanks to everybody that's been watching. Uh, we're really thankful for all of you guys, especially the Bitcoin live community. And we'll be hitting y'all in two weeks with another show of gingerly. So until then. Peace out. Thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. See y'all. Have a good one.